made that determination tonight. No matter what, um, no matter what kind of, of persecution nothing, or, or whatever we have to face, We've got to decide to keep on keeping on for Jesus. Praise God. Well, tonight, I want to just do a little teaching tonight on, a, on a one particular subject. Now, next, next Wednesday night, the Lord willing, we'll start a new series from a new book in the Bible in the New Testament. So uh, we're look, I'm looking at that, praying about that, doing some little preliminary studying on that. So uh, uh, next Next Wednesday night, beginning be the first, uh, be the first Wednesday night of September, we'll begin a new study. Okay, but tonight I want to talk to you uh, for a few moments about something that God greatly desires for His people. I, do you think that'd be something interesting to you? Something that God greatly desires for us? It's the one thing that Satan fears. And he works day and night to try to undo. It's something for which Jesus prayed for just before he went to the cross. And it's the one thing that the Bible says will convince people that the church has something that the world does not have. How many believe we need to we need to be a testimony to the world that we've got something that they don't have. It's the one thing that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is meant to accomplish within the body of Christ. I know we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and a lot of things that come from and through the baptism of the Holy Spirit which are all important. But what I want to talk to you tonight is... Uh, about tonight is the one thing that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is really meant to accomplish in our life. And all of these things tonight that I've, that I've mentioned to you all have to do with and deal with the, the topic or the subject of unity within the body of Christ. And so I want to talk about unity tonight, and I want you to turn, and we've, we've talked from this passage before, but it's one of my favorite uh, passages of Scripture, and it's Psalm 133. Uh, we're going to read the whole chapter, okay? Is that all right? It's really long. It's three whole verses, okay? <laughs> but Psalm 133, it's a Psalm of David, and um, not sure exactly what the circumstances were, the situation was when David wrote this psalm, but it's very familiar. You all will remember these words as I read them tonight, but he says this in Psalm 133, verse 1, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. And it's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. I love that last part where it says that there, where is he talking about? He's talking about there where brethren dwell together in unity. 
It's there that the Lord will command and does command the blessing in that place, even life forevermore. Now, when we talk about unity, we're not, cont- we're not talking about uniformity. Um, that would be where everyone looks alike and everyone thinks alike. And I know we're not, that's not what we're talking about. And that's not what the Bible is talking about either when it talks about unity because everybody's not going to look exactly alike. That'd be kind of a dull thing, wouldn't it? Everybody looking alike, everybody thinking alike. And when we talk about unity, we're not necessarily even talking about where everybody always agrees on everything. How many knows that even in the body of Christ among believers that we have our disagreements on things and we have to learn to to dis, to disagree agreeably. Amen? But um, uh, so we're not necessarily talking about a, a uniformity or a unanimity but, um, but what we must have in the body of Christ is, is, is uh, uh, that unity where brethren dwell together and live together in unity. There can be unity. Someone made this statement, said there can be unity without uniformity, but, there, uh, but uh, we, because we are all different, but that does not prevent our working together. So by unity, we're talking about a oneness of heart and a similarity of purpose and an agreement on truth. Now, there has to be involved in this unity an agreement on truth. We all have to believe this Bible. Isn't that right? We all have to agree on the truth of the Word of God. There cannot be any doctrinal um, differences as far as, uh, as far as heaven and hell issues that involve the Word of God. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10 to the church at Corinth. And I mentioned Sunday morning in my message Sunday morning, uh, just mentioned the church at Corinth. You know, they were the church that Paul wrote to concerning love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he talked about how, and this is what I made reference to Sunday morning, about how that he wanted to feed them with meat, but he couldn't because there were babes in Christ, because there was uh, division and strife among the believers. And so here in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, in the 10th verse, here Paul says this to the church at Corinth. He said, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So that's so important today in the body of Christ because as I said in the beginning of this message that this one thing that we're talking about tonight which is unity is the thing that Satan fears the most within the church and the thing that he works night and day to try to undo within the church. 
church within the body of Christ. The strategy of Satan, I think we all will agree with this, that Satan's strategy is to defeat the church. Isn't that right? And his strategy in defeating the church, how is he going to defeat the church? How is he going to overcome the church? Well, Satan's main strategy to defeat the church is to divide it And if he can divide it, he can conquer it. Now, I can tell you this much tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that the devil is no match for a church that is united together. No matter how small that church may be, no matter the size of that congregation, if they're together in unity and in harmony, then um, Satan cannot... He cannot defeat them or conquer them. Amen? Jesus said that a house divided can't stand. Didn't he say that? A house divided will fall. He said a house, a a nation, um, you know, a a country, and we've got that problem right now in the United States. We're divided, and there's got to be something done, and God's the only one can do it, or this nation will fall. It can't stay in that condition and continue on very long. And so Satan's strategy is to divide the church so that he can conquer the church and his motive today Satan's motive is division and the method that he uses is deception and his mission against the church and against everyone is destruction but the devil I want to say this again because I want you to get a hold of this and and this would even be good if you're taking notes to write this down that the devil is no match for a united church. He cannot defeat a church that is bound together and united. Even the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church that is united together in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I mentioned Sunday night, that is founded upon that solid rock. Can I get an amen? So if the church is to accomplish all that God has called us to do and all that God wants us to do, if he's, if he's going to, uh, if we are, as a church are going to accomplish what God uh, wills for us here at Abundant Life to do and to fulfill the purpose of God, then we have to be what God wants us to be and we've got to work together, we've got to stay together, we have got to be united. And that's what David's talking about here in Psalm 133 and he he talks about here in verse 1 the beauty of unity notice this this would probably be a good title for this lesson tonight the beauty of unity look at verse 1 he said behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Notice how he begins that verse with that word, behold. The word behold in the Hebrew would be our way of saying, here's, here's, here's how we would say that. You need to stop and look at this. You need to see this. Amen. You got to see this. You ever said that to anybody? Yeah. Hey, I remember. I don't know. It just, I, I thought of this the other day when Jack, you know, Jack, he's, 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 he's a sophomore going to be. Oh, my Lord. I shouldn't even brought this up. But when he was a little guy, 
when he was a little guy, we were, we were in Branson, and uh, we were at, at, back then, you know, Jack's different now, but back then, Jack was into John Deere stuff, Brother Dave, and uh, he had a John Deere tractor and all this. Well, we were in that John Deere store in Branson, and uh, walking around, and they had a John Deere bicycle in there, and I remember, um, and I don't, I get, I, was it Georgia walked around there, and she hollered and said, Jack! You gotta see this. <laughs> well, that, that's what David. That's what David was saying here when he used that word. Behold, he was saying, "Hey, you gotta see this. You gotta look at this. You've gotta behold this." David was saying there that. People that are one and people that are united and brethren that dwell together in unity is a sight to behold. That there's some beauty in that. There's, there's nothing anymore. And I don't know what would be an antonym for beauty. Any, something that would be ugly or disgusting. There's nothing any uglier or more disgusting than a group of people that are in disarray and disharmony and disunity and that are not together so that should never be this ever ever be the situation within the church of the body of Christ Jesus in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17 and I just finished reading the gospel of John last week and and um, in his prayer in John 17, he prayed for the church in that, in that prayer. He prayed for you. Do you realize that in that prayer in John 17 that Jesus prayed for you? He did. And he prayed for the church. And in verse number 20, listen to what he says in John 17, 20. He says, I do not pray for these alone, talking about his disciples that were there with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Well, that includes you and me because directly or indirectly, indirectly, we are saved today because of the word of those first apostles. And so Jesus was praying for us as well and in verse 21 here's what Jesus prayed that they all may be one as you father are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us notice this that the world may believe that you sent me when the world can see a church in unity and harmony it causes them to know there's something to this but when the world sees the church in disarray and in disharmony then it brings a blot to the church in the eyes of the world so Jesus prayed that we would be one he prayed that we would be one just as he and the father and the Holy Spirit are one and when we think about that we know that the Trinity is a perfect unity and that is the very nature of God unity is the nature of God that is why disharmony and disunity unity in any um, in any way I mean whether it's in a church or whether it's in a home or whether it's in a business when there's disharmony and disunity it's it's grievous to the people involved but it grieves God it grieves the Holy Spirit because it's against the very nature of God the Father Son and the Holy Spirit are in perfect unity and perfect harmony and so that is what Jesus 
Jesus was praying that they, those who are, 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 are a part of the church, a part of the body of Christ, that they may be one. This is a prayer Jesus prayed for us. And this is a prayer we need to be praying for one another, for ourselves, and for the body of Christ today. Can I get an amen? Lord, make us one. Unite us. May there never be any division or strife or disharmony whatsoever within the body of Christ. So the one thing, now listen to me, in light of this, I believe we can say this, that one thing that the Holy Spirit will not and cannot do is work in a church that's divided. He just can't do that, and he won't do that. It's an atmosphere. When there's an atmosphere of strife and division, the Holy Spirit can't work. But here's what David is saying. He's saying, but behold, you got to see this. Look how sweet and how wonderful and how beautiful it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He said, that is a sight to behold. Now, has anybody ever heard people? somebody say that there's strength in numbers. We've heard that. There's strength in numbers. And that's not really true. <laughs> okay. Their strength in numbers is partially true, but not altogether true, because there's, there's only strength in numbers if those numbers are unified. If those numbers are, 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 are in disarray and not unified, there's no strength there, there at all. I think you can illustrate this. We can illustrate this with one brick. You take one brick. One brick within itself is not good for anything unless it's in the hand of Antifa. I mean, they can use it. But, uh, but one brick <laughs> is, I couldn't resist, I'm sorry. But um, one brick's not useful at all, but even a pile of bricks. Brother Joe, you could have a pile of bricks laying out here in your yard. Amen. Brother Bob, you could have a pile of bricks or concrete blocks laying out there in your yard and they wouldn't be of any value or any use at all. But if you could take that pile of bricks or that stack of concrete blocks and you could unify them with some mortar and you could put them all together then you could make a house or you could make a garage or you could build a building. Come on, amen. Because because the unification, the bringing of those bricks together and unifying them and putting them together and sticking them together is what makes them useful and productive. And it's that way with the church. You know, you can take a, you can take a box full of just little steel links and those little metal steel links aren't worth anything. They're pretty much useless. But if you unify them and if you put them together, you can make a chain that can pull, you know, that can pull a lot. A lot of weight, a lot of tonnage that can pull your truck, your car out of a ditch if you get hung up. How many is with me tonight? You see what I'm saying? There has to be a linking together and a putting together. So, so my thing that I want to bring to you tonight and I want us to get a hold of tonight is this, is that it's beautiful and it's sweet and it's awesome and it's a sight to behold in the eyes of God and in the eyes of the world when there's brethren that are dwelling together in unity in a church that is unified and a unified church ladies and gentlemen is the dread and the fear of the powers of darkness tonight and the powers of darkness cannot stand against a unified church 
Woo! Hallelujah! Amen! Satan knows that when God's people get together and come together in unity that there is an awesome strength and power that he cannot overcome. He absolutely cannot overcome. It's the same way in a family, in a home, isn't it? When, you know, there has to be unity and, 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 and a bonding and a oneness within that home with that husband and between that husband, that wife, those children. When everybody's in harmony, when everybody's in unity, everything flows smoothly. There's, there's peace in that home. There's joy in that home. But you let a member or two of that family get out of harmony with everybody else and out of step, and it can bring sorrow and sadness and devastation and hurt and heartache in that entire family. And it's the same way in the body of Christ. And unity is the real secret of strength. It's the real secret of strength. The true secret of strength is our unity. Whether it's in a country, whether it's in a state, in a community, or in a church. And as I mentioned a while ago, our nation today, the United States, which I still believe is the greatest nation with all of its faults, is the greatest nation on the face of this earth. Amen. If you've been watching any part of the convention this week, which I haven't got to see much of it, I've been busy all week and had something going every night, but I can tell you, I saw excerpts of some of the speeches, and if you watch what's been going on this week, you know what a great country and a great nation that you're living in today. We want to keep it that way. Amen? But that's the secret. But uh, our nation still is in trouble. Today, because of the division that is, that is in the nation. And God's not the author of that division. God's not the author of that confusion. Amen? Amen. Satan is. Amen. God's not causing division and confusion in countries and nations and churches. But Satan is the one who brings that. So there is power in unity. Can you say that with me? There is power in unity, I believe that. Um, there was a, there was a uh, Peanuts cartoon comic strip some years ago. And in that, anybody ever like Charlie Brown and, and Linus and Lucy and all them Peanuts? But in that Peanuts cartoon, Lucy comes in and walks in the room and Linus is sitting there watching TV and Lucy walks up to him and she says, Linus, change the channel. And uh, Linus says, well, you give me a good reason why I should change the channel. And Lucy said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you five good reasons. And so she held up her five fingers. And when she held up her five fingers, she says, individually, they're not much. But when I curl them together, <laughs> when I curl them together like this, they are a power that is awesome to behold. And when she did that, Lina said, what channel do you want to watch? <laughs> and so you see Linus walking away at the end of the cartoon, and he's looking at his fingers, and he says, why can't you guys get together like that? Amen. Why can't you bind together like that? Why? Because that unification brings power. Unity is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But secondly, there's the basis of unity. And in verse 2, he says, 
that he, he gives this comparison. He, he tells us here, David does, what unity is like. And he said, unity is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard. I don't know if Aaron's beard was, was longer than mine or not. It was running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. Now, now get the picture of this. It's talking about the anointing of Aaron the high priest. When the high priest was anointed, Aaron the high priest was anointed. And I've told you this before, when they anointed in Bible days, they didn't anoint like we, like we do. But they had a whole thing of oil that they, they turned it up uh, on the head of that priest or whoever was being anointed. And the oil, as it's described here, can you get a picture? Picture of this. The oil's running down the head of Aaron, and it's running down the beard of Aaron, and it's running down his chest. Oh, I tell you, the ladies wear a new dress to church, and we anointed like that, they wouldn't come back. And it's, <laughs> and it's running down his skirts, and it runs all the way down to his feet. So the anointing covers him. Oh man, I tell you, I'm about to feel something now. The anointing covers him from his head to his feet, the entirety of his body. And so David is using this picture because uh, the life of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit and the life that comes from the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many of y'all know that oil is that type. We talked about it when we were talking about anointing the sick with oil that, that oil is a type of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. So here is a type of the Holy Spirit and the life of the Holy Spirit is what produces Produces the unity within our lives within the body of Christ. So Aaron here is the high priest. Aaron represents the Lord Jesus Christ who is our high priest. How many knows Jesus is our high priest? Aaron here is a type of Christ. And so if Aaron is a type of Christ, then the body of Aaron speaks of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the body of the Lord Lord Jesus Christ is who? Who's the body of Christ? The church is the body of Christ. Isn't that right? So the oil, now get a picture of this. So if Jesus is, 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 is the high priest, he's the head. Um, he's the head of the church. The body is the church. And the oil flows from the head down to the body. The oil, the Holy Spirit, flows from Jesus down to the church, down through the church to every member and touches every member of the body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody needs to be anointed and touched by the oil and with the oil of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise God. Yes. So the oil flows from the head to the body from Christ to the church. And the anointing that was upon Christ the same anointing, the same Holy Spirit that was upon Christ in His earthly ministry is the same anointing and same Holy Spirit that's to be upon the church. There's not two different Holy Spirits. There's only one. So the anointing, when you study the anointing oil, I've got a message. I've got to dig the notes out on this and preach it again. But I've got a message that I've preached in the past on the on that anointing oil from Exodus chapter 33 and the ingredients in that oil and how that, 
the ingredients in the anointing oil represent Christ and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's shouting ground. I may have to dig that out, but the anointing oil was made with a special recipe. Amen. See, Colonel Sanders wasn't the first one to have a special recipe. Amen. God gave a special recipe to Moses to make that anointing. It was a holy anointing oil that was used to anoint and to consecrate the high priest. It was used to consecrate all of the furniture, furnishings of the, of the tabernacle in the wilderness. It was a special recipe that made that oil and it wasn't to be imitated at all I mean you know you couldn't just put anything you wanted in there it had to be it had to be done by the pattern you know that's the thing I love about the Old Testament when when God gave Moses the pattern for the tabernacle when he was on the mountain he told him that everything had to be built according to that pattern. He couldn't deviate and say, well, we're going to change this. You know, when we, were, we had the blueprints for this church, as we went along, there were some things that we decided to change. There wasn't even supposed to be an upstairs up there, but we changed a few things. They didn't do that. When, when God gave Moses the pattern, they followed the pattern. That's the problem in the church. That's another sermon, isn't it? That's the problem in the church today, a lot of times, is God's given us the New Testament pattern and we want to change the pattern and deviate from the pattern, but the pattern don't change. Come on, somebody. The pattern don't change. But that anointing oil was made from this special recipe and it was made with myrrh and cinnamon and cassia and sweet calamus. And this mixture was blended together and it was, it was, it was crushed and, and blended together then with pure olive oil. And it was never to be imitated and it was never to be substituted. And the anointing oil is a type, as I said, of the Holy Spirit upon the church. And it was poured upon the head of Aaron to such a degree that it ran down off the head onto his beard and it dripped off of his beard and went all the way down to the hem of his garment, down to his feet. So David, in this psalm, said that unity, when brethren dwell together in unity, it's like that. He's comparing that, that anointing to unity. How does that, how does that pan out? And it's this way, I believe, because unity within the church of Jesus Christ is a product of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Unity comes from the Spirit. Paul said this in Ephesians 4 and 3, and, and, and he says this to the church at Ephesus, and it's for us today as well, but he said, endeavoring, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That word endeavoring means to make every effort, to be eager and to strive earnestly to do everything in your power to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So the Spirit of God brings unity to the church. He's working to unify the church. Then we have to do everything within our power and ability to keep that unity within the body of Christ and not allow it to be disrupted. Are you with me? Amen. 
So this unity can't be worked up. It can't be manufactured. It can't be imitated. It's something that comes from the Holy Spirit. And so when the saints of God are filled with the Holy Spirit, which, which is to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, then they will be in unity. And when you and I have the Holy Spirit running down all over us, filling us, bringing unity into our life, when he's in control of our life and in control of the church and those in the body of Christ, there will be no strife, no discord, nor division within the body of Christ. But notice where the oil ran. Notice where the oil ran. The oil ran down the beard and it dripped off the beard. Now get a picture of this. Somebody's just dumped a, um, a, a big old bottle of Crisco. They don't make Crisco, is it? It's uh, vegetable oil or olive oil or some kind of oil and just poured it out on my head. And it, it's just all running down my face. And it runs down my beard and it starts dripping off the end of my beard. And it said, that, and that's what he said here, that it ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard. And as it runs down and drips off the beard, where did it drip to? It dripped right on the breastplate of that high priest that had the 12 stones that represented the, the tribes, wasn't it, of Israel. And those stones, the tribes of Israel were right next to the heart of the high priest. Oh, hallelujah. Saying that Christ had them in his heart and close to his heart. And it's a picture of you and I today, amen, being close to the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when that oil dripped off onto that breastplate, it's dripping off of that beard and dripping right onto that breastplate, right onto the heart. And that, you know, that just falls right in line. The Bible says in Romans 5 and 5, it says that the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. See, this is the unity of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is flowing in your life, controlling your life, flowing in a church, this is the unity of, a, of the Spirit that affects what? The heart. It will affect our heart and it will affect our emotions. When we're under the control of the Holy Spirit there will be and I preached on it I preached on it Sunday morning you, how many remember my Sunday morning message my Sunday morning message was the greatest commandment what is the greatest commandment that let me refresh your memory that we love the Lord love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your your soul with all of your mind and with all of your strength and the second is like to it what is the second to love your neighbor how as yourself and I closed out that message with the 13th chapter of Romans that said love is the fulfilling of the law that love works no ill to its neighbor but love is the fulfilling of the law and when that spirit of God is running in your life being poured out in your life dripping off your beard dripping onto the body of Christ it affects your heart affects he the Holy Spirit affects your emotions and develops the love of Jesus Jesus Christ in our heart and our life and produces that unity that we need within the body of Christ. That oil ran down to the skirts of his garments. So it ran all the way down to his feet. He's standing in a puddle of oil. 
when uh, they got done anointing him, ran down to his feet. What does that represent? I believe it's a picture of how the Spirit of God, when it touches our heart, flows on down to our feet, and the Spirit of God will affect our walk, the way we walk and what, the way we live. Amen. It'll affect the direction we're going. Oh, I've, you know, whew, I ain't got time to get off on that, but I know that, you know, sometimes people will, will be out of step with the Word of God and out of step with Christ. And when the Holy Spirit's in control and when we're walking in the Spirit, what did Paul say in Galatians 5? When we walk in the Spirit, we'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So it ran down to the feet. It affects the walk. It causes that individual to walk in the Spirit. It'll be a lifestyle of harmony and love with one another and with the brethren. And it will cause us to be in step with Jesus and in step with the rest of the body of Christ. And so, so you can see what the anointing does. Okay, you're talking about the Holy Spirit. And this all links to unity, David said. It affects the heart. It affects the walk. And there was something else about the this anointing oil. It was, it was what, what, what was it again? It was myrrh, frankincense, uh, calamus, and cinnamon. These spices crushed and mixed together with that olive oil produced a sweet fragrance. And an aroma, hallelujah, oh, hallelujah, amen. You probably never smelled no perfume like that. We've got one of these bottles of oil up here. Sister Judy made, before they left, she made, and she put some, some I don't forget what she put in it, but it smells real good. I always like to try to grab that one if I can because it just, it's got a, 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 just a sweet fragrance. I believe, I believe there's a sweet fragrance to the Holy Spirit. How many believe that? And so there was this anointing oil produced a sweet fragrance. So when Aaron the priest was anointed, when he came near, you could smell the fragrance of the myrrh and the frankincense and the cinnamon. You knew, hallelujah, that the anointing was there, that the anointing was upon him. He did not, listen to this, when he was anointed, he did not have the odor of the flesh clinging to him because he was anointed with that that fresh oil he had the fragrant smell of the anointing of the Holy Spirit and I still believe today ladies and gentlemen that the Holy Spirit will produce a sweet smelling fragrance upon the church of the Lord Jesus Christ the unity of the Spirit produces a sweet aroma within the church and it's good and it's pleasant and that's it's not the seat strife and division is the smell of the flesh it stinks in the nostrils of God but unity of the spirit is a sweet aroma before the heavenly father hallelujah he's well pleased when there's uh, unity within the body of Christ it produces a sweet and a wonderful and a precious atmosphere within the church and it's a product of the Holy Spirit a product of the Holy Spirit. Let me close. I got two, got two minutes. And I got to condense it into one. The blessing of this unity. He went on to say this, that it was like the dew of Hermon 
that descended upon the mountains of Zion. Verse 3, For there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. Here he said that unity is like dew. What does the dew do? Anybody know? You know what dew is, what dew is for? Why, why is the dew special? Well, in that particular in Bible times, in that Mediterranean climate, dew was absolutely vital to plant life. They were, uh, uh, you know, they, they were in agriculture. And uh, they, they planted their crops. And they had the spring rains and the fall rains. And the dew was like a, reflesh, a refreshing lotion that God would send to lubricate that dry, parched land there in the nation of Israel. And uh, it was a sight to behold to that farmer when he'd go out and see that heavy dew upon those crops. It was, it, was, it, was, it was something that he loved to see. He could get up in the morning and see the dew on the grass sparkling there in the sun like a million diamonds. And in those days in Israel, in the absence of rain with no irrigation, there was nothing more beautiful to the Hebrew farmer than the morning dew that was sent from God to refresh and to water his crops. The dew did something to the land. It made the land green and fertile and fruitful and increased productivity. And so what the dew does for the land, unity does for the church. I said what the dew, refreshing dew, does for the crops and for the land, unity does for the church because there's nothing better than the dew of the Holy Spirit, which the dew is another type of the Spirit of God. Nothing better than the dew of the Holy Spirit and unity falling upon the church to experience the blessing of the church that is united together. Praise God. We need that unity and the blessing that comes from it. You know, dew is actually, dew is actually in the air, but it distills when the conditions are right. And I'm not a meteorologist. So I don't know all about that, but I do know they talk about the dew point. You know, you've heard, seen that. The dew point temperature is this or that or the other. I don't understand that, but I do know that the dew is in the air and the dew distills and settles silently at the dew point all over the ground. But the conditions have to be right when the atmosphere is saturated with the moisture and the conditions conditions are just right and the dew point is just right the dew will settle down upon the ground glory to God and I'm telling you when the conditions are right ladies and gentlemen and the spiritual dew point of unity is reached within the church the dew of God will distill upon a congregation and will bring refreshing from the presence of the Lord and will bring fruitfulness and bring life and bring vitality and bring victory oh Oh, how beautiful, how lovely. Behold, when brethren dwell together in unity. Woo, hallelujah. He said, for the Lord commanded his blessing there. That's where you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't have to seek or hunt for the blessing. Because when we are in unity, God will command it there. It'll just, it'll come. It'll come. We won't have to ask for it, and the devil can't stop it. When brethren dwell together in unity, God will command it. It brings the refreshing blessings of God. Worship team, come on back up. Amen. I want to, uh, I want to read some, just real quickly, 
bullet points. Pow, 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 shotgun. No, that's machine gun, isn't it? <clears throat> but this was an important key in the early church, was unity. You wonder why God was moving in that early church, even in the midst of persecution? Listen, Acts 1.14, these all continued with one accord in prayer. Acts 2.4, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. And then suddenly a sound from heaven. Acts 2.46 says they continued daily with one accord in the temple. Acts 4.24, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Acts 5.12, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Acts 8.6, and the people with one accord gave heed to the things Philip spake. Acts 15.25, it seemed good to us. This was the first business meeting. It says it seemed good to us being assembled with one accord. And then in Philippians 2.2, which this is the book I feel we're going to get into possibly next week. Philippians 2.2, fulfill, Paul writing to this church said, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. See, I'm limited by what I can do alone for God. But I tell you, we are virtually unlimited by what we can do together. Because united we stand, we conquer, we overcome, we're victorious. But divided we fall and we're defeated. So that's why unity is so important within the body of Christ. That's why you've heard me say time and time again, that there has to be a zero tolerance for strife and division because unity is where God commands the blessing. Father, thank you today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your presence in this service tonight on this Wednesday night. Our prayer tonight is that you will help us, every one of us, to do as you said, as your word says, to endeavor to keep that unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, that we will make every effort to do so. And God, we know that you will command, as you have promised, as you have said, you will command the blessing there. And I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the blessing upon this church that you've, you've blessed abundant life in such a wonderful way. And when we come together, your spirit, your presence is always here in such a, such, a sweet, such a sweet way, and we thank you for that. And Lord, we just seek you tonight. Our desire is to please you, to walk worthy of you. Let that anointing oil come down from the head from Christ, and let that anointing flow over this body tonight. Let that anointing flow all the way down to our heart, to our feet, to every part of this body tonight that we will be influenced and controlled and led by the precious Holy Spirit to walk in that love and that unity of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.